Welcome to Public Domain Video Theater, presented by the great detectives of old-time radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, today we're bringing you another episode of U.S. Marshal. This one is Season 1, Episode 7. Original air date, September 9th, 1958, and the title is My Sons. Marshal's a friend of the family. Yeah, well, all right. Thanks very much. We'll be in touch. Good morning. What's the matter with you? I, uh... I just had a call from Harry McKay, the resident agent of the FBI in Mexico. And? He said there was a bad auto wreck. So? I hate to be the one to tell you this, Frank, but... Well, what is it, Ed? Pete Simmons. Pete Simmons? How badly was he hurt? He's dead. How did it happen? Car went off a curb on a mountain road. Body was tossed clear. They figure he must have been doing about 80 miles an hour. Such a nice boy. I guess I'm elected to tell his mother. How do you tell a woman like Amy Simmons that she just lost her youngest son? What do you say, Ed? Well, if you want me, you know where I'll be.
Have some coffee. No, thanks, Amy. Well, sit down. Okay. What's the matter? I guess this is just about the toughest job I've ever had to do, Amy. What are you talking about? It's about Pete. Oh. Is he in trouble again? What is it this time? No, no. There was an accident. An automobile accident. Pete was killed. Pete? Pete's dead? I'm sorry, Amy. Evidently, he was on his way to Mexico. It happened just across the border. Mexico? What was he doing there? I don't know. He was supposed to be in Tucson. <laughs> My office will take care of all the arrangements. Arrangements. Oh, oh, yes. Thank you. If there's anything at all we can do, you know. Sorry, Amy. here right away. Let Mac take care of the customer. You heard me, Paul. It's a big hurry, Molly. I thought I told you not to let Pete drive one of those cars. 
Hey, wait a minute. Pete's a big boy. If he gets kicks out of driving, I can't stop him. I could have stopped him. You should have told me. Well, I can't tell you everything. Hey, what's all this about, huh? Pete's dead. Pete's... Oh, no, I... Why did you let him drive? I just told you. How'd you find out? The marshal got word from Mexico. Frank Morgan? Yes, but don't worry. He doesn't suspect anything. Are you sure? Oh. How many cars you got on the place? Three. They'll be ready to roll in the morning. Well, just to be on the safe side, you better have the boys dump them. Hey, wait a minute. Those huts are worth 9000 in Mexico. I said to get rid of them. We can afford the loss. It's better than having them around in case anything goes wrong. Dump 9000 in a ravine? How long do you think it'll take the police to find out that Pete's car didn't cross the border properly? If they start checking the records of Nogales, we're finished. Okay, I'll tell the boys. <laughs> she take it? How do you think? Pete was her favorite. We took after her. Paul? He's more like his father. We may have some more bad news for him. Oh? What's that? The FBI called again while you were out. Looks like the car Pete was driving when he was killed is hot. What? The FBI says there's no record of it crossing the border. They've inspected the car. Looks like someone's tampered with the motor numbers. You mean to tell me that Pete Simmons was driving a stolen car? His family owns one of the largest used car lots in town. All I know is what the man told me. All right. He drives a little red sports car. This wasn't a sports car. This may be the break we've all been waiting for. We know that stolen cars from California are being shipped across the border into Mexico. Ed, this doesn't make any sense at all. These people own a big business. There are some people who never have enough money. Are you trying to tell me that they're using the used car lot as a front? Maybe. Look, Frank, if it's the way I figure it is, they've got the sweetest racket in the world, so good they fooled everyone. Go on. Well, suppose the used car lot is a blind, and they ship the cars to the ranch. You remember, it's, it's right near the border. Then they drive them across into Mexico where they bring top prices. Possible. But not with these people. But suppose they do. Get me the FBI agent in Mexico City. Okay, Ed. Run those motor numbers through. Yes, sir. We processed the car, and we came up with the confidential numbers underneath. Okay, let's have it. George Boston, zero. Eight, seven, two, nine, eight, one. And it was stolen in California? Huh? All right, thank you very much. Yeah, goodbye. Well, it was a switch, all right. You win, Ed.
don't get your point, Frank. What can Mrs. Simmons tell us? We should have gone to the car lot to talk to Paul. Maybe. I've known the family most of my life. There's very little that goes on that she doesn't know about. You think she's in on the deal? I'm not jumping to any conclusions till we get all the facts. See if she's home. I didn't expect to see you so soon again. Well, we just stopped in to see how you were feeling. Oh, this is my deputy, Ed Blake. How do you do? How do you do, Sit down. Thank you. I, uh... I've had a talk with the authorities in Mexico City. Everything's being taken care of. Thank you, Frank. I've also been thinking that... Well, now that Pete's gone, you might need someone to manage the ranch. I have a very good friend. He, he knows the business from top to bottom. Oh, well, that's very kind of you, but you'd better speak to Paul. He's the head of the house. My boys have been running everything. Oh? I thought you were still active. Oh, no. After Joe's death, why, I just turned everything over to the boys the way they wanted it. And Joe, too. I see. I bet I couldn't even balance a set of books or tell one model from another. Really? When boys grow up, you can't run their lives for them. No, I guess you can't, Amy. Why don't you uh, drop in at the lot and have a talk with Paul? I'm sure he'll be very happy to talk with your friend. We'll do that. Well, I'm glad to see you looking so well. Thank you. Bye. Bye. about Mrs. Simmons, Frank. A woman like her couldn't be mixed up in anything crooked. Nope. I was wrong, Ed. Well, I don't get it. She told you she turned the business over to the boys. That was her big mistake. She could have told that to anyone else, but I know better. Amy Simmons never knew the day she could keep her nose out of the business. She ran Joe, she runs the boys, and she still runs the business. I'll have that car lot staked out. We might learn something. <laughs> Yeah. Frank Morgan came to see me again. 
What do you want? He'll be here later. He has a friend he thinks can run the ranch. Be nice, but get rid of him. Yes, Mother. Did you take care of those cars? There are three more cars coming in from Los Angeles to do sometime today. I thought we could take them straight to the ranch and move all of them over the border. You thought. I'll do the thinking. Look, there was nothing I could do about them. The message was waiting for me when I got back to the ranch already on the way. You should have thought of a way to stop them. Mother, I couldn't. Don't you shout at me, Paul. Then stop dreaming like a three-year-old. Will you stop worrying? If Morgan had something, we'd know it by now. Good. Yeah. Time to stay with it. Okay. Ed? Yes, Frank? I think we got something here. Courtney's on the stakeout. He just called in. Mrs. Simmons went storming into Paul's office. Well, let's go. No, not right away. We haven't got any concrete evidence yet. I think if we string along with them, they might lead us to what we're looking for. You call the ranch now and have them ditch those cars. All right. three cars. Yeah, you heard me. Dump them in the ravine in the east section and cover them over with brush. Get right on it. Okay. Now get Charlie and Joe out on the highway and have them flag down the other three. Okay, but uh, what do we do with them? Can't you figure out anything for yourself? I don't care what you do with them. Burn them, leave them, as long as they don't come into Tucson. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll get right on. Courtney just radioed in. Two of Paul's men are headed down Highway 80 towards California. You better stay here. How long are we going to have to wait out here? You heard the man. Till the boys show. You know, I don't get it. The old lady's upset about something, and it ain't just Pete. All I know is we're going to flag down them cars. They won't head for L.A. I ain't taking no chances. Since when do we ask Mrs. Simmons questions? against the car and put your hands in the roof. What gives, Marshal? Can't old friends have a get-together? You sure can of the registration on those three cars, Jack. Now turn around. Anybody else looking for trouble? Turn around. All right, Frisco.
Have they talked yet? No. And we might have tied it up in one nice, neat package if they had. I'm not so sure of it. With the reputation Mrs. Simmons has, it'll be tough to make it stick. Only their word against hers. Yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe we can do it another way. So it's about Sit down, Paul. These are friends of yours, aren't they? I never saw them before. Strange. They just told me they worked for you. Oh, uh... For your information, I'm booking them for transporting stolen cars across state lines. Federal offense. I don't know anything about it. I suppose you didn't know the car Pete was driving that he was killed or stolen either. I don't know anything. I think I want to see my lawyer. Lawyer? I haven't charged you with anything. Well, I either see my lawyer or you turn me loose. Well, who said anything about holding you, Paul? I just thought we'd have a little talk. Of course, if you have nothing to say. I've got nothing to say. All right, Paul. Well, in about an hour, you'll see. I hope you're right. There's one thing I learned a long time ago, Ed. A scared man's like a trapped animal. He's got one thing on his mind, how to get away. I tell you, we're in this over our heads. Don't you understand Morgan's got the drivers? Well, we got to get out of here right away. But he hasn't got anything on you. He'd have never turned you loose. Look, will you stop talking and get the money out of that safe? 200000 will take us a long ways. <laughs> Look, will you open that safe? All right, Paul. We'll go. You're just like your father, afraid to take a chance. When the chips are down, you can't play the game. Besides, if Frank Morgan gets his hands on you again, we're sunk. My briefcase is in the hall, Father. Cover the barn. in your car and cross the border at Kasabi. You're not going anywhere, Amy. In here. Stay right where you are. You'll run back.
something together, Ed. Just another few minutes, and I'd have been free and clear. Amy, if you never went to jail, you wouldn't be free and clear. Not after what you've done to your sons. Let's go. Welcome back. We are going back quite a ways from the last episode we played for you. Unfortunately, U.S. Marshall is one of those series that's well documented on IMDb, and we came to some episodes that we had acquired that were listed as Season Unknown, including this one, which we found from another source, was uh, from Season 1. So we'll be back on Season 1 episodes for a little while anyway. Two of the great joys of watching these obscure television programs from the 1950s and 60s are seeing up-and-coming actors before they became big stars, such as Michael Landon, and what we got to experience this week as we got to see a veteran of Hollywood's golden age doing some work later in her career. Mary Astor is, of course, best known for playing Bridget O'Shaughnessy in The Maltese Falcon. Here, she is 15 years removed from that role, but still manages to put on a convincing performance in playing a character who is not what she seems at first. At this point in her career, Astor was doing quite a bit of television work, and she was on the cusp of the release of her first memoir, which would become a bestseller. She'd have her last major film role a couple years later in 1961 in Return to Peyton Place. I thought this was a good episode for Frank Morgan. I found fault with him a few times, but once he gets over his disbelief, he manages to use his knowledge of both mother and son to bring them to justice. One scene that I actually liked uh, was when they were coming up on the driver's on the highway. I was expecting the drivers to try to make a run for it, but I liked the way that they played it instead, trying to bluff the marshal until they realized that wouldn't work, and then one tried to be a little bit stupid, and that didn't work out for him. But staying by the side of the road was the right thing to do, because they didn't really have any chance to get their car started and get away in time. And for all they knew, the sirens could have been related to something else. 
and they'd just be drawing suspicion to themselves. Running away would have been a sign of total and complete panic and the abandonment of logical thinking. So it does show that whatever Amy's flaws, at least she didn't hire panicky idiots to work for. That's all for now. Join us back here next time for another episode of Public Domain Video Theater. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. And if you like these videos, you can become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.